Homegrown Solutions, Sustainability in Crisis is a deep dive into highlighting community members and initiatives as they adapt to a global pandemic. Here are their stories. My name is Austin Wafrican. I recently interviewed youth social justice activists involved with the CJA and more organizations, Kristen. In our interview, she explains why the work she does is so important, how she got involved, and how it looks due to COVID-19. Enjoy! Hi everyone, my name is Kristen. Um, I work at El Vejo, or um, the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, um, based in the Little Village community on the west side of Chicago. Um, I do some communications work there, and um, I started earlier this year, um, so I've been doing that, and um, my background is mainly in journalism and storytelling, Alvejo is, um, as I said, um, an environmental justice nonprofit um, focused in providing like food security um, for the neighborhood that's primarily Latinx. Um, and we do a lot of work on clean air, clean energy, um, some water work um, pertaining to um, just water quality in general and like water access to some of the vulnerable populations within the community. Um, and in addition to that, there's um, a lot of work on air quality, um, making sure that folks have like the resources um, that they need in order to combat that and um, some policy work, um, getting in touch with like elected officials on um, what kind of work we can push forward to um, kind of make Little Village like the neighborhood that residents really want it to be um, with their health, safety, and um, prosperity in mind. How did you get involved in this type of work? I guess I would start with a position I did at Free Spirit Media, um, also located in Chicago. Um, on the west side as well, but um, Free Spirit Media is a multimedia company um, that mainly focuses on youth production of um, reporting, so youth-led storytelling. And um, I was a beat reporter for Free Spirit Media. Um, they had this program called The Real Shy um, for kind of entry to mid-level journalists and um, part of my beat or subject that I covered was environmental justice. Um, so I started doing some like reporting and like feature stories on um, things pertaining to environmental justice in the North Lawndale neighborhood where Free Spirit Media is based, but also branching out into other West Side neighborhoods um, like Little Village. And um, that's actually where I came to learn about Ovejo. Um, this was in late 2018, early 2019. Um, so I kind of approached environmental justice at first from like a reporting and writing lens. And um, after I graduated college, 
um, in May of 2019, I um, left Free Spirit Media and I started pursuing um, some long-term positions in my field. And I came across the opportunity with Elbeho and it really aligned with like a lot of my skills and like my interests. Um, so I went for it. And like I said, I've been there since January. So a little bit about that background. Just a little bit about how, because you said you do a lot of work with environmental justice, and so how has that work kind of had to be changed because of COVID right now? I know a lot of us have been, you know, impacted. Yeah, um, so working remotely um, for a few months now, like a lot of people during this time, um, part of the communications work I do is actually leading um, toxic tours. Um, which toxic tours um, are something that Alvejo does to kind of um, showcase these different neighborhoods and or showcase different parts of the little village community that um, really give like a richer sense of its history um, from some of the just transition work that um, little village community members and Alvejo has done, um, a lot of the gardening and like land work that um, our organization has done. And um, as I said, it just like paints this picture of um, what the community like really looks like, what are some of the challenges um, that um, residents have had to face, like what are some of the triumphs um, and the battles that we're currently fighting um, and have been able to push through. And um, those tours are usually done in person. Um, they're done throughout uh, different sites in the neighborhood. So we'll go to our community garden. Um, we'll go down like 26th Street, which is like the major street in um, the Little Village community and other spaces such as that. And um, we've actually transitioned um, in the last few months to a virtual tour offering. Um, that's part slideshow presentation and um, eventually we want to make into a video um, type of presentation for um, social distancing needs. So that's still an offering. And yeah, like a lot of communications work is um, already kind of done online, but uh, making sure that um, any type of like photo shoots or like footage is distanced and done in a safe way. And other than that, um, assisting with like virtual community meetings because those aren't in person anymore. But um, I'm grateful to say that we've been able to do a lot of this work online and shift um, a lot of the things that we would normally do in person um, to different platforms. And that's been working out well. How has COVID impacted you or yourself more personally or your personal life? I think my life before COVID um, had me kind of moving across the city, like to different neighborhoods and like all of these different places um, within one day. So just kind of like going from like the north side to like the west side and like the west side to the south side. And I do like a lot of commuting and like running around um, and things like that because of just like the different um, spaces that I'm involved in. Um, and that's something that's like not a part of my daily life as much anymore. Well, I mean, not at all, like I'm not commuting anymore. Um, and since I'm doing all my work remotely, um, 
that's um, not a part of my daily routine anymore. And um, other than that, I would just say that being at home has given me a lot of time to reflect. I know a lot of folks have been feeling similar ways just about um, the time just spent at home being like this place to kind of get in touch with some like thoughts um, that we have on a daily basis that we might not be able to indulge in and also some like different creative activities and like hobbies um, that we might not always have time for. So um, I found that with the space that I would usually spend, um, just kind of like running around the city, um, I'm kind of changing my creative process to be more, um, I don't know, maybe like a bit more intuitive, um, I would say, just um, creating from home. you know environmental justice and how you kind of got into it but um if you just want to talk a little bit more about more in detail about like some of the if you've been like protests and stuff like that some of the things that you've seen or just talk a little bit about that um i think when people talk about protesting they're meaning attending a physical protest that is on the streets and you march from one location to another you like hold signs um Etc. I I think that's the protesting people talk about when they talk about protests. I would say uh, mine is more focused on conversations and healing um, at that space. Um, right. For example, I um, I do this writers group for Black women and non-binary films. Um, that's basically uh, rooted in the healing like aspect of writing and like the kind of curatorial spaces that we make for ourselves when we kind of like share our stories and um, kind of engage in like that writing experience. So um, curating that has been part of my protest, um, putting together like virtual like care packages. Um, I'm hosting like a vigil like later on this month. So I've kind of pivoted towards um, the healing and like self-care aspect of protests, but then also like combining that with um, some kind of self-education and then um, with conversations that I have with um, people in my community and people like within um, my life and just like in my spaces, um, thinking through like thoughts and ideas like surrounding like liberation, like um, conversations on what defunding the police actually looks like. And um, not only like hosting or like prompting some of these conversations, but also um, making myself available in spaces where other educators and like abolitionists are giving um, just kind of um, in-depth like lectures on what these like policies actually look like. So I would say that's how I've been protesting, if you will, like recently. If you could, could you mention some more about those policies you've been talking about? So you talked about defunding the police or if you want to um, speak about, you know, a little bit, go in more depth about that or just something that you've discovered or learned while um, dealing with these types of things. Well, I think when it comes to defunding the police, probably one of the um, main pillars of that that I've been learning a lot about 
um, is who do we call like specifically in times of crises, um, especially when it comes to um, the person that is causing harm, like potentially being like a black person or another type of minority and um, who do we like speak to and like go to for help um, in those circumstances. Um, And I've read a lot about the potential of like having social workers on more of those calls. Um, And also to like go off um, on the side on that a little bit. I've also like read some about how social workers are like also problematic and like they can play into the prison industrial complex. But um, I think that's like part of the learning process, like seeing how like contradictory, like some of these solutions are. but there's also a lot of community sustained um, accountability that can happen and has been happening that we can kind of lean towards when it comes to um, de-escalating um, a lot of the things that people would, or a lot of the situations that people would normally um, want to call the police for. Um, and for example, like some of those being like, a lot of the people who we call the police on are people with like um, mental health disorders and like people with like undiagnosed mental health issues. And how do we send people on the front lines that are like more experienced than that and like have more care and even people who are like actually part of the community to deescalate some of those things um, rather than calling the police. And um, that practice in itself is very in alignment with this conversation on defunding. about like any upcoming projects or things that you hope to do maybe um still considering COVID but as it uh we become more you know adapt to it but what are you looking forward to uh in this upcoming future yeah so um forgot to mention in the beginning of this interview that um I am also a fellow with the Climate Justice Alliance or CJA as part of the um ongoing like communications work I'm doing with El Vejo. I also do some digital strategy work um, for the Climate Justice Alliance. And one project that I'm currently working on um, in collaboration with some other fellows at CJA is a youth Instagram takeover project um, that will essentially allow like um, different youth that are a part of CJA's like member organizations to kind of take over um, our social media, Instagram account for the day and kind of just post some original content that really showcases some of like what they've been working on, um, things that their communities have been um, really involved in and kind of like allows for a more agency oriented behind the scenes look at um, what the work is that like youth are actually doing um, just from their own perspective and point of view. So that should be coming up in about a month and I'm really excited about that. You want to talk a little bit more about the work that you've done or how you got involved with the CJA? Yeah. um, Well, um, as I said, the position that I'm doing with Alvejo is like also in conjunction with the work that I do at CJA. So um, kind of um, came to both 
um, spaces at the same time, which is really awesome because I was able to meet like a lot of very like value aligned people like at CJA as well as um, El Vejo. And I feel like it's just such a great match um, to have um, the work that I do be in both of those spaces. Um, so for CJA specifically, though, I do um, a lot of digital strategy work. Um, and some of that is like based in like website um, updating, but um, also doing some more of these like centralized projects that I've mentioned, um, one being like the youth IG takeover, but I've also done um, other like youth aligned projects, um, following up with the youth spotlight from a video project that we created um, last year that was featured on um, centralizing the voices of frontline youth in the climate justice movement. Um, and going off that, um, I'll be doing some more work with like website updates and um, just uh, being being a voice and being a seat at the table in some of these um, ongoing conversations we're having about um, how we want to use um, the Climate Justice um, Alliance platform to kind of like give these voices in these uh, personality space. Um, and yeah, stay tuned, we'll work on that. Something I learned about my work would be, even though like communications work can very much happen um, behind the screen and kind of um, behind this lens, um, I think that the best communications work is done in collaboration with others. And um, most importantly, um, just like in connection with others and connecting in person for me is, um, preferred, I would say. Um, that hasn't uh, really been a thing in uh, quarantine and shelter in place, but um, I think finding ways to stay connected to like other people like throughout this work and um, keep some of these like collaborations going um, and just different projects like that is such an important part of really like making communications more than just this um, back and forth on a digital platform, but more of like a integral part of these kind of like ongoing environmental justice campaigns. Um, and then going off that note, something that I've learned about myself. Hmm. Well, I think I would last in solitary confinement. I can honestly say. Um, <laughs> I, I think... Mm, there was like a weird week or so like in May or April I can't really remember where I was like what's going on this is crazy but I mean other than that I am super adaptable um I feel um and I think this is something I've already known about myself but I'm like wow it's a new world and here I am for listening to this episode of Homegrown Solutions, Sustainability in Crisis, a Kepper Institute podcast on community creating in the midst of chaos. 
You can find this episode at podcast.kepper.org along with others. If you like what you hear and want to support Kepper's work, visit donate.kepper.org. Our storytelling team consists of Leah Humphrey, Asli M.Y. Africa, Chinyelu M.Y. Africa, Chio M.Y. Africa, Ali Tazia, Ajani Johnson, Trey Ramsey, and Keenan Rhodes. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.